when Jesus took up the cross and carried that 80 to 90 pound transom on his shoulders, when he labored along a stone path toward the foothill of Golgotha, he set in motion a myriad of things, not the least of which was an example for all of us. It was the example for mankind. The steps of the Lord marked the pattern of salvation, while some, even still today, dispute who killed him. Jesus answered that question with his own words in John 10. He said, I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. The pattern to be saved, both initially and in life, will always be the same. You'll never change the pattern. Jesus sealed it with every step towards Calvary. It began with repentance. Repent. His death paid a price that we could not pay. The load of sin was too great for us to bear. None of us understand it. His example marked the eternal pattern of salvation for everyone who has ever lived or will ever live. The death of the Lord has a moment of reflection around the time of Easter or Passover. We know this well. But because we also know that his resurrection is but a few days away, the occupied cross is often clouded, being coupled with an empty tomb. We don't take enough time to see an occupied cross. But tonight, we have the benefit of remembering his death as a standalone moment, the signification of repentance. We also have the blessing of knowing that repentance is enough to save us from trouble and indeed heal our land. I felt the Lord speak to me concerning a prayer for our nation, and we must pray for our nation. Our nation, ladies and gentlemen, is in serious trouble. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I am a man of great political pride and I'm very patriotic. But sometimes I wonder if America has become so arrogant that we think it all begins and ends with us. It does not. It has never. We're only blessed because we identified the Lord as our God. We're only blessed because we stay true to the tenets that our forefathers and our founders gave us. And it included the Lord being God. But the Lord did not prohibit me from the matter of praying for our country. Instead, I did feel a caution. There is a prayer for our nation, a much needed prayer, but there is little repentance among ourselves. For good measure, however... And to move forward, I'll offer this scripture to you in Psalm 33. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, 
the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. We are blessed as a country when God is our Lord. But when we remove God, we also remove the blessing. Our nation needs prayer. However, there's something else that needs to take place. And while I want to pray for our nation, I'm looking a little closer to home. The oft-quoted scripture is 2 Chronicles 7.14, but there is a lot left out when people quote it. I'll read it in context for you. Verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. He said unto him, I've heard thy prayer. I've chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. God said, you have a house of sacrifice. You built it, and now I've chosen it. This house, he said, is for sacrifice. I want to say to all of the people here tonight at New Life, this is a house of sacrifice. Not entertainment, not for self-glorification, not for pomp, not for tradition, not even, careful, not even for community service. It's for self-sacrifice. Worship includes sacrifice. God said to Solomon, you have a place, but I chose something for you. And if I choose something else, verse 13, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, hunger, or all of the means of the land, if I wipe out prosperity of the land, or if I send hunger to the land, or if I send a pestilence, a virus among my people. If I do that, then here is my conditional presentation to you. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Notice for a moment the pattern. My people. He was not speaking to the world. He was not speaking to the lost. He was not talking to the sinner or the one who had no knowledge of him. If my people, you have a house of sacrifice. You have a place to worship. But if I sin something that afflicts you or afflicts the land, then here's what you do, my people. Called by my name, there is only one name. Gabriel sent the name in Matthew 1, 25, 121. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The accusation is that this church is a Jesus-only church. And I'll accept that accusation. I'm guilty as charged. But that does not, that does not mean that we deny the Father or the Son or the Holy Ghost. We just know that there is only one. These three are one. His name is Jesus. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, it seems to be the same thing. Humility. Prayer, seeking God, and it leads to this, repenting. If my people repent. Some of us need to repent of arrogance, some of carnality. 
Some of us need to repent that we had the opportunity to do good and we did not do it. Repentance is the death of self. It was marked by the footfalls of the Lord's path to Calvary. No one can be restored or resurrected or made new without repentance. When I see the Lord, I see his broken body, the lamb that opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the shearer. He did not defend himself. Instead, he offered his body as a sacrifice for sin. But the work that he did on Calvary did not end at Calvary. It had to exist in me. He paid the price, but now I must follow the pattern. I won't delve too far tonight into the tabernacle of Moses, only to say that the tabernacle itself embodied that eternal pattern that made its way into Acts chapter 2, verse 38. It began with repentance. And not only did repentance start the process of salvation, but it was the means by which we could all return to God. At any juncture, even after we found him, repentance is the way back to God. Repentance will always be the salvation for every individual, every city, every nation, and indeed our church. As I, as I review the tenor of many American pulpits, there seems to be something missing it seems to be filled with fads and culturally, ca culturally cachet philosophies. Death is not popular among people who are enamored with themselves. And while I cannot lead those who resist, I speak to those tonight who have an ear to hear and a heart to follow. My message tonight to you is very old. It's an ancient message, in fact. It's just repentance. It's the eternal pattern that begins with repentance. It's asking God to clean your heart. To be washed by the water of the word. Not to live unto yourself. To remember the sacrifice of the Lord. His bleeding side. The death of Jesus Christ. Set the pattern for all eternity. I have not a fear necessarily but a concern of the age of media it has turned us so inward we think of ourselves we take pictures of ourselves we talk about ourselves there's very little room for god at the end of this year our one year bible took us through jeremiah if you're reading that or if you had read the book, it's not a very pleasant read. In fact, the people of Israel in the book have long since left the confines of the law of the Lord. They have moved away from the precepts of their forefathers. The nation is in peril even though they think that they're safe. The calamity cast upon the congregation of Israel was never more severe than when they imprisoned their own prophet and rebuked his message. They discarded his word because he did not console them or applaud their accomplishments. So they minimized Jeremiah. Sometimes they beat him. 
They put him in a cistern. They put him into prison. Jeremiah will preach in and out of prison. He will be rejected. He is a nuisance among them, an irritant, a sound of coming judgment juxtaposed against their seemingly endless prosperity. They could not have received him. The entirety of his life was spent on a single word, repentance. He will pull back those old tabernacle curtains and detail the altar of sacrifice where lambs were slain, but they still would not receive him. His messages, prophetic and all, painted the picture of both suffering and joy, all of it depending on their response. In what could only be described as a losing battle, Jeremiah lived and died, void of ever seeing any fruit of his ministry. But Israel was not without a word. They were not without a voice. They were just too caught up in their own world to heed the sound of their attending prophet, repent. I'll read to you tonight the conditional word that came from Jeremiah in his self-titled book, chapter 18. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel. He made it the way he wanted to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 6, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. If that nation against whom, against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will change my mind of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning the nation and concerning the kingdom to build and to plant it? I was going to do that. I was going to build it up. If it do evil in my sight that it obey not my voice, then I will repent, change my mind of the good I was going to do, wherewith I said I would benefit them. Now therefore go, go to them, speak to the men of Judah, go speak to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, say this, behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. And if the Lord devises a device, no one can stop it. If he devises something, science can stop it. Politics can't stop it. Money can't stop it. Prayer can't stop it. Rebuke can't stop it. Only one thing can stop it. Return ye now everyone from his evil way and repent and make your ways and your doings right. Repent. 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 Seems so simple and yet none of them responded to the spoken word of Jeremiah. Repentance was the only way out, but they could not see it. Repentance was the only way for them to be restored, but their nation died and their land was corrupted because they did not repent. And for us today, it's both the initial step, but it also has to be a continual lifestyle repentance. Because repentance not only saves the soul of the individual, but it also has the power to change a family, a life, a path, your future. It can change a church if we let it. Consider the calling of John the Baptist. He's far from our modern day preachers. 
he has nothing in common with most of the preachers today that you hear. I'm a far cry from him. He doesn't consider the crowd. He does not seek them. He doesn't seek them out. He does not search for them. He does not insert himself among them. No, they went to see him. They gathered around him to witness his bold and sometimes brash prophetic voice. To sum up his life in a single sentence is a difficult task, but the book of Matthew tells it correctly. Verse 1 of Matthew 3. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He paved the way for the Lord. He set the stage for the Lord. But the Lord did not leave the premise of John the Baptist. In fact, one chapter later, Jesus said this. Or the Bible says this of Jesus. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He reiterated the same message. Because repentance is the only way to be saved. The keys to the kingdom of heaven, which was given to Peter, which Peter delivered on the day of Pentecost, began with this word. Then Peter said unto them, repent. To consider the Lord's death tonight is to repent. None of us can consider the Lord's death unless we repent. To think about what he went through to die is not to simply say, thank you, Lord, for that, and to live absent of it, but it's to live a life of sacrifice and a life of repentance before him. It is the eternal pattern. I came here tonight to declare a crucified Christ, but in doing so, I must consider my own crucifixion. I came here the last day of 2020, not to shut the book on this year, As if tomorrow will magically remove us from the adversity of today. It will not. You and I are in a season of turmoil. And the last day of the year and the first day of another year is not going to be the closure of the season. So if you're ready to wave 2020 goodbye, I got news for you. Nothing's going to change. And it won't change until the nation repents. And if you want a change in your life, then you have to repent. If you want to restore home and family and life and mind and conscience, you have to repent. And it doesn't go over well in a lot of places. Because it's not fancy. And it means death. I came to see the suffering of the Lord who willingly laid down his life for mine and that I know that in doing that I'm free but I'm also bound. He set me free but I'm also bound. His death delivered me from sin but it also constrained me to walk in the light. This then is the message which we have heard of him. 1 John 1, and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. 
If you say that you believe in God, but you're living in sin, it's a lie. And the truth is not in you. You do not tell the truth. If you live for the moment for yourself, no serving, no helping, no sacrifice, no prayer, but you say that you're saved, you're just lying. The truth is not in you. If we say that we have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness. Walking in darkness, that means after the pattern of the world. (laughs) But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, it will cleanse us from all sin. If we say, ladies and gentlemen, that we have no sin, be careful tonight. We deceive ourselves. And there's no deception like self-deception. And if we say, I've got no sin, I've got no problems, I don't have anything to say, then the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, let me tell you about our God. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and he will cleanse us from everything that we've ever done wrong. And if we say that we have no sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I want to stand here and to say to everybody, we've got to take time and repent. I want to repent this year out and repent the new year in. And I want to live a life of repentance. When you came to God and you repented, that's not the only time you should repent. We should die daily. We ought to be dying every day. You ought to be carrying your cross every day and say, I've got to die to my flesh and I've got to die to myself and I've got to die to my own ambition. I don't know if it's age or just just my own anger against all of the junk that's being propagated today in pulpits. I don't want a new fad or a new trend. I got to get back to the book so it may not be real fancy. It may not be real. I may not turn a phrase here tonight, but I want to stand up and say, I've got to repent and make sure my heart is right with God. I've seen too many people fall away from the church and backslide and lose their faith. Why did they do that? I thought they were doing great. I'll tell you why they did it. Because they said they were saved and they acted like they were walking in the light. But really they were corrupted and they had evil in their heart and they did wrong. And they were just weakened warriors. But during the week they were living in darkness. Oh. You want the last sermon of the year? I'll tell you the last sermon of the year is if my people... If you'll humble yourself and you'll turn away from all the stuff that you've been doing and you start seeking his face. I don't want to condemn anybody. I'm I'm trying not to do that. I'm not trying to be condescending, especially for all those that are here and those that are at home. Surely we don't have to beg people to have prayer time and prayer 300. Surely we don't have to ask you and plead with you that you would pray. Isn't that your walk with God? How do you live without praying? Surely we don't have to say, somebody read your Bible again today. How are you going to go to heaven? How are you going to, how are you going to run with the horsemen? You can't even walk with the soldiers. That's the Bible. I know why. I know what happens. You're confused because, because I hug you. Because I love you. Because that's my personality. But when I'm in this pulpit, I still love you. 
I'm sorry if it's a little hard for me to address you individually every time. I don't have time for that. And I don't even really want to do it, but I'm doing it right now here. So if you're wondering who this is for, this is for you. Why don't you say your own name? Say your own name and say, it's for me. Repent. We got to get right with God. How can we, how can we recognize the cross, his bleeding side, the crown of thorns, and not say, you're not the only one that's got to get on the cross, Lord. You wanted me to get on the cross. Repentance is the commencement of all things. It is the starting point of our healing. It is the launch of purity and right living. It is the eternal pattern that was rooted in the cross of Calvary. And without it, we then are alive to ourselves. So I want us to memorize this next scripture. And I want us to know it. I am crucified with Christ. Say it with me. I am crucified with Christ. Say it again. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Say it, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives within me. I died to everything else. The only reason why I'm living is because Jesus Christ is alive inside of me. You gotta die. You gotta die. It's time for you to die. I've got to die. I've got to die. I've got to die. It's the eternal pattern. Nothing lives until first it dies. The seed's got to go into the ground and die before it brings any fruit. If you want to know why you don't have fruit, probably you haven't spent enough time dying. If we spend a little more time dying, even our own rejoicing's out of order. We rejoice when someone receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But the angels don't rejoice then. The Bible says the angel rejoices over one sinner that dies, that repents, that is put their, they put their life on the altar of sacrifice. When I remember the Lord's death, I have to remember that he died for me and that I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. Say that, yet not I. Somebody say, not me. Come on, say, not me. Not me. Not me. Close your eyes and say, not me. Come on, reject yourself. Reject self. Reject self. Not me. The life that I'm living in this body, I'm just living by the faith of the Son of God. He loved me. He gave himself for me. When you take communion tonight, you climb up on a cross next to Jesus. There was two next to him. You find one of them and you climb up on it. I pray for our church. I'm praying for you that are watching here tonight. I'm praying for those that are home. 
I'd like for you to prepare, if you have a little juice and maybe a cracker, maybe you can prepare as we prepare. My mother talked to me many years ago. I've developed it a little bit, but she was talking about some folks after many, many decades of pastoring and she told me about some people and then she told me about several of you. Through the years, I've figured it out and I could be missing something. New Life Fellowship has guests. We love our guests. In fact, if you're a guest here, I'm glad you're here. We want you to be a repeated guest over until you become a member. We have guests show up all the time. I sometimes wonder if they've ever been in a Pentecostal church. Sometimes I try to qualify myself when I meet them and or afterwards. I've asked many of our first-time guests after the service was over and I was throwing my jacket across the audience. I've asked them, how'd you do? Did you make it? Are you completely scared out of your mind? <laughs> they never tell me the truth. <laughs> Just eyes, what I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> then we have attenders, people who come, but they never give and they never make a sacrifice, but they attend. Every church has attenders too. People like attenders because it fills up the room but they're not committed. They could easily attend somewhere else. There's no root. There's no foundation. Attenders also find different places to sit. You don't know when they're coming or going, but they're attenders. They like what's being offered. Most of all, they like the entertainment. So they come to see me set myself on fire and the music, which is wonderful and beautiful. Then we have members God bless the members of the church. Thank you for being members of New Life. And members are committed. And I was always prone to stop right there. But my mother introduced me to another group. It's the group that I want everyone to be in. She called them Forever Saints. Forever. Forever Saints. They're committed. Because they serve. And when you serve, you have a vested interest in the kingdom. But if you don't serve, you might just be a member. God forbid you're, attend you're an attender. This year, we'll start by asking God to forgive us for not serving. And then we're going to get busy serving. We're going to love God. We're going to love people. And we're going to serve. And that's the vision of this church. Love God, love others, and serve. <clears throat> I'd like for you to stand with me, if you will. And before we receive communion tonight, we're going to take a little time and do exactly what I preached. These are very important moments 
And I want you to ask God for your own life to clean your own heart. And if there's anything in your life that you can think of, call that out to the Lord. He already knows, but just ask the Lord to forgive you. He's faithful to forgive us. He's ready to do that. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Forgive me. Clean me now. Forgive me, Lord. And wash me, Lord. Yes. I love you, Jesus. I want to read from, before we begin, I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it with me. And we'll just read a few verses together and then our ushers will help us as we prepare. So let me read first, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. I'll give you a moment. Do you have that? Good. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do ye in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death, my death, till I come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man, I say tonight, let any person examine themselves. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup after you have examined yourself. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Lord, I pray tonight for myself and for the body and the people that are participating online. I pray for all of us. Let this church find a greater humility. Help us to turn away from everything that 
conflicts us, every sin and every weight that besets us. I pray tonight that when we receive these portions, that we were honor that we would honor you, Lord, and reverence you until you come. And everybody said in Jesus' name.